In today's episode, we're speaking to Spencer Sherman. Spencer Sherman is a leading financial advisor, author, and a public speaker, renowned for his mindfulness-based approach to money. As the founder and former CEO of Abacus, a value-driven financial consulting firm managing over $3 billion in assets. Spencer has transformed the lives of his clients and helped them achieve financial success on their terms. Let's speak to Spencer and find out how he changed his life by changing his mindset. Let's find out. And if you want to upgrade your money mindset, then click on the link and join my free community. We have all the resources you could need there to upgrade your mindset right now. See you inside the community. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Gul Khan, your money mice expert. And today we're talking to the one and only um, Spencer Sherman. Welcome, Spencer. Thank you, Gul. It's wonderful to be here. Very excited. Thank you so much for joining us today, Spencer. Spencer, everyone's heard your intro. They know how fabulous you are, but please, in your own words, tell everybody what it is that you do. Well, I combine these two worlds that are so different. You know, you don't think they belong together. The world of mindfulness, emotional intelligence, and money. They are so far apart, but I say we need to bring them together. So that's what I'm all about, is that money is the arena where we've paid the least amount of attention, mindful attention. So, And I say because of that, we have this huge opportunity. If we can just ratchet up our attention by 10%, anything is possible for our finances because we've been in avoidance, we've been in fantasy, we've been in fear around money. So I am so excited about this topic because I feel like it's 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 the blue ocean. It's, it's where we have um, a lot of room to grow. Wonderful. And being a money mindset coach, I, I totally agree. So let's get yeah. started with your background. So off camera, you were telling me that you grew up on the East Coast um, yes. in New York. So tell me, how did he get started? How did he come into combining mindfulness and money? You know, what's your what's how what's your journey been, and how did he get here? Yeah, well, it came about from suffering from from recognizing my own delusion uh, that I was so gripped by the material world. I mean, the conditioning not just of my parents, but growing up in New York City, there's such an emphasis on achievement, mm-hmm. on success and material success, especially. Yeah, It's all about that. It's a very linear drive to the future. Uh, it's really funny that for those of us who grow up in places like that, sometimes I don't even know if we have the sense that there's other ways of doing life. I didn't mm-hmm. have that sense growing up. I thought the only way to do life was to keep achieving, t- to keep getting more and more awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, awards, And and then my, there's a fire in my building and a high rise building in, and this was, I was in now in Philadelphia. And I'm not thinking about the fact that I my life is okay, that I'm outside the building. I'm thinking about my com- laptop that's still in the building. 
because that laptop to me in the culture I came from was like that laptop is worth more than I am. So I need to go into the building and risk my life. And I somehow did. I got a the fire marshal let me in, but it was totally crazy. It was smoky. It was there was risks of all kinds of things, electrocution. And I go in to get this, of course, worthless laptop. But that was a wake up call for me to to see how inverted I was. I had things upside down Hmm. uh, around my life and money, and it forced me to take to start seeking out to understand what is this grasp, what's this grip that I have around the material world. And it led me to a meditation retreat because I was really, maybe it's the, maybe it's that same conditioning I grew up with around this like tenacity to achieve. Now I wanted to achieve a sense of understanding instead of mm-hmm. just achieving more dollars. I was I was determined to understand my psychology, why I would do something so crazy. And, you know, I had a lot of familiarity with craziness around money because I had started being an investment advisor, financial advisor, and you start to see how the smartest people in the world go against their own common sense. They they buy high and they sell low. Mm. So that's another one of those, not as dramatic as running into a fire, but very much similar that we do things that go against our logic, that go against what a you know a 10 year old might know like any 10 year old would know don't go into a fire run into a fire to get your laptop and don't buy high and sell low i mean that's obvious and yet the studies show that all of us most of us keep doing that even the most experts amongst us keep Hmm. doing that yeah isn't that interesting because i think that that's that it's um I think I think that's the conditioning that we have. We, you know, we have to achieve and you have to be successful. Well, what does success mean? And we have all been given this really limited idea of success. Yes. And exactly. in, in school, we grow up with getting gays, you know, make sure we get the grades and you work really hard and do crazy hours. And then we go off and do degrees, go to university and then go into corporate jobs. And it's all about getting to the next level, the paycheck. And I think that the 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 love for your job, for the love for your profession, somehow, somehow is lost during the process. Anyway, I remember speaking to this doctor once, and he said, at "The end of the day, you know, he, he got into being a doctor when he was really, really passionate about helping people and so forth. But once, after a few years, it just became a job. It was just yeah. the next accreditation, the next level, the next job, and it was the purpose was lost along the way, and it and it was just it became empty, became really hollow. And I think that's the case that you're describing at the moment as well. And we we completely lose sight of what it is. And, um, you know, you've, you know, the fact that you could have lost your life over a laptop is just yes. absolutely crazy yes. to think well, about. Yes, yes. And you're pointing to something that's, you know, so sad that in, you know, there's nothing wrong with achievement, but often with achievement and the grasping for it, we miss, as you said, the present moment, we miss the joy yeah. of what's happening right now. And that's so much of what I was missing. Yeah. And, I had, you know, I think that we, unbeknownst often to ourselves, we act out of a lot of very seemingly innocent beliefs that we take and we inherit early on. And these sort of run our lives. And it's, you can know what your innocent limiting beliefs are, but one has to actually do some, some sort of intervention almost 
it's, yeah. it takes something because we're so habituated. I mean, yeah. we're so habituated to, you know, let's say what, you know, we, we get out, we wake up in the morning and we look at our cell phone first. That's a habit. Yeah. And it's not simple to get out of that habit. Uh, and it's the same with money. We have these limiting ideas around money, around our relationship to it, our ability with it. Um, just the idea you just brought up that we should be always focused on achievement and going for the going for the future and forgetting about the present. These are these are baked in to our computer processor in our mind. And we have to sort of do a whole reboot if we're going to get free of that. And yeah. that's that's what I did. That's what it took. And, and for me, it was and this is going to sound kind of, may, may sound kind of weird um, to the audience, but it was actually compassion that really helped liberate me from that mindset of money is more important than anything, of achievement is more important than anything, that it was actually compassion that I feel in the end not only has allowed me to enjoy life more, but ironically, and here's the funny part about it, is that when we can soften these fixed beliefs, we tend to earn more money mm. because we have our aperture opens. We're not as narrow in our ways of being. And this is, I think, what's so incredibly exciting about our about life is that we all have some of these habits of mind that keep us locked in, that keep us narrow in our ways of being. And we have this incredible potential. I agree. I agree. So how did you, I mean, first of all, congratulations on recognizing yeah. that. I mean, the fact that you recognized it and I became aware of it, I think, you know, you've taken a quantum leap there in, in itself because a lot of people are not even aware of it because it's, there's limited beliefs as you're, as you're referring to them. I call the money blocks. They are, they put blinders on you. You don't, yes. you can't see outside of it and you don't even know what you're doing. So you when you recognize know. something like that, it's a huge leap, you know, leap forward. And it's a, that awareness is a first step to change. Yes. So you have to be aware that what, what you've done, what, you know, what my life is worth <laughs> less than a laptop, you know, what, yes. you know, everything's yes. possible to, you know, you know, anyway. So I think that's, that's a huge part. So what do you do afterwards? So once you had the awareness, yes. You must yes. have gone down a path. How yes. did you start working on yourself? Because okay. there's a, there's a saying: a particle remains in motion until it's you know, and and remains in motion until an external force is acted upon, and that's you know that changes the direction. So you're right; you would remain in that process unless you change something about yourself. So how did you change, yeah. and what did you change? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny that I started. <laughs> You know, I'm thinking about the way people are with puppies or the way people are with their toddlers, mm -hmm. that most of us have a lot of oh, a very loving, gentle approach with our puppies and our mm -hmm. toddlers when they fall down, when they make a mistake. Yeah. The, we all know if you hit that puppy, it's not going to go well. And if you if if you were to like say to the toddler, come on, you can walk, just do it you know, that doesn't lead to success as much as you just gently, I mean, it's almost automatic with us. We know the right thing to do in those situations. We know you just help the toddler up and, and the toddler keeps trying to walk. But for somehow when we, when we, when it, when we're this, the, the, when we're the subject, um, when we're the at issue, we, we have this harshness to our, towards ourselves. Yeah. We lack of compassion ourselves. for ourselves. Yeah. 
Yes, we want ourselves to change today, even though there's been 20 years of conditioning. And while it may not take 20 years, I mean, time is not really necessarily linear here. It's, It's the harshness. It's that expectations. It's the idea that you can get there just by telling yourself it's wrong to smoke or overeat or think that I'm not good with money uh, or to look at my phone when I, you know, that to get that kind of habit change, to, to, to transform these blocks that we have, as you say, around money takes, I, what I have found success with is this approach of compassion. So what I had to do was first have a lot of compassion for the child within me. Mm. So, you know, so this took a little bit of like, you know, I would look at photos of myself. So I'd get an image of this five and six and seven year old. You don't necessarily need photos if you don't have photos of yourself from from being a child. But that was helpful to me to see myself as a child and then to have compassion mm-hmm. for this the child who was receiving these messages and didn't know what the blank money was, right? I mean, how could a child understand such an abstract topic? It's still hard even as an adult to understand money. And yet we we absorbed so much, even if, and maybe sometimes especially if your parents didn't talk about money, you Mm. absorbed so much by their silence. You felt everything as a five-year-old. And that gave you certain ideas and often we start, we grip, we become allegiant to these ideas mm. when we hear them at five or six in that confusing time. The way I'm, the way I've, I've sort of understood this from psychologists is that because money's so abstract, and because we had all these, felt all these emotions when we were five or six, it gets locked in the brain in a very confusing kind of inextractable way. It becomes your paradigm. That's how you, that's how the world works. So you don't even question it because that's how the world works. It's like the sky is blue. That sky is blue. Exactly. Those those really ingrained paradigms. And there's there's, there's two steps for this again. One, awareness. Everything's just a belief. The sky is blue is a belief that we all collectively hold, but it's still a belief, right? Um, So once, so first step is recognizing the beliefs. And two, actually questioning the belief and working out okay, is this valid or not based yes. on on um you know on logic and be logical yes. rather than emotional because we're emotional beings we take actions based on emotions and then justify with lock uh, with logic so yes we need to stop doing that and stop behaving yes. in our um, or automatic way and start saying okay how do i want to behave and how can i change my behavior yes. because the way i'm yes. behaving is illogical I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you want to learn more about my mindset strategies and energy tools to help you change your money mindset, then please register for my Abundance Mindset Makeover Workshop by visiting www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com. See you inside the workshop. Yes, that's right. And one of the one of the paradoxical things about changing behavior is well I'll say two things one is that the more we try to like force that change the yeah. more it persists that we almost need to go the other way of befriending ourselves befriending the wow oh that makes so much sense that that 5 year old got that belief yeah. and if we can sort of really befriend that because we don't want to make that 5 or 6 year old wrong it's almost like having compassion for it 
befriending yeah. this idea, that's where we start to see some of that softening. We, and it's all we need. We don't need to get rid of the belief. So what I have found is that I still have a, a, a thought that pops up every now in my mind that money's more, more important than anything. And I can, I can feel, I can, I can hear that thought come up. Mm-hmm. I can hear when I'm out with my, my friends at a, at a dinner and I'm like, who's going to pay for the check? And that thought can arise. But now I know that thought. I know it's coming from this very, very primitive young part of myself. Hmm. And I can say, it's okay. And I can step in as the adult and make a wiser decision. Hmm. So I've, so I've, I've felt the compassion both for that, that young child and also for my father. That was the other thing because I had such a strong reaction. I mean, I had so much blame towards him. Mm. And when you have blame towards another, it kind of also keeps us locked in that, that rigid place. Yeah. Because you're stuck in the victim. Yeah. Because you're stuck in the victim mentality on the victim and things are happening to you. That's exactly it. Yeah. That's exactly it. That's beautifully said. That's exactly it. So I had to get out of that and it was the hardest thing. And it took months and I felt like I was seeing no change because I wasn't offering the compassion to my father with sincerity. I was just sort yeah. of doing it. That's the hard part, isn't it? Because it's <laughs> right. I mean, I think I think we have compassion for other people. Yes. We have compassion for our children. We have the hardest time having compassion for our mom and dad. We're supposed to yeah. be our role models. They're supposed to be our protectors. They're supposed to be our caregivers. And then somehow when as adult, adults we see the shortfalls in them. Like, how dare you? How dare you not be perfect? You know, and we're not we're not perfect ourselves, but how dare you not be perfect? Because you're supposed to be perfect. Yes. So we yes. have a hard time being compassionate towards our mom and dad and, and of course, um, obviously ourselves. And so these three individuals, yes. we are brutal, really, really yes. brutal. I love with. what you're saying because it is it is interesting that we we tend to have this very narrow vision of what forms us. We think it is 99.99% our parents. Mm. And that my experience is just not true at all. Mm-hmm. Like it goes back into our ancestry. Yeah. It goes, it goes to the culture. There's so much noise. Your environment, your schooling, your friends, yes. your circumstances. So, yeah. so much. Your hierarchy in the family of middle child, top child. <laughs> exactly. All of that, right? Because I also work, and you probably know this, but two siblings can have even close in age can have very different ideas about money. Yeah, I'm, that's me and my brother. We're me and my brother. Okay, we, we're we're, well, we're a year and a half apart and we are completely opposite. We're, we literally are chalk and cheese. Wow. Wow. Well, there you go. That is, to me, that's proof mm. that it's not so much about our parents. That mm. if you if you have to, you you have such different beliefs than your brother, that there must be something in the way we interpret things. Yeah. And to me, that's empowering. Is even though that turns the camera a little bit towards ourselves, it's empowering to know if if well if we're a little bit at cause for what happened, even though, albeit we were like five, six, seven, eight years of age, but then we also have the power to amend things, Mm. to influence things. And like I said, what's important is not getting rid of these habits or patterns. It's we're just softening our relationship to them so that they don't have to overtake us. But when the thoughts come up, we're not in this, we don't freak out. We mm-hmm. don't go into this rigid response. We just see, oh, 
there's that thought, you know, telling me to, to not spend money or to spend money in a very unhealthy way. And I'm just not going to listen to that thought. Like I have found that helpful to, to, to sort of surrender to not getting rid of these beliefs. I'm just no longer going to be at the effect of them. Mm. I think that's, that's a crucial decision to make, but you have to make that decision yourself. Yes. I mean, I say my brother and I are very, very different, but we did, we did have different ideologies growing up as well. And I actually took more, even though we're very aging in close in age, I took what he did as not to do things. Okay. That's how not to do life. That's not how I don't want to live. That's why I went completely the opposite way. But even more so, even now, as we, as as we've got older, I constantly worked on myself. So the limiting mm. beliefs that I got from my mother, and I know I did from my mother, and and, and to some extent my dad, because my my parents separated when I was young, so I I had demified money and and men wow. and so forth. Um, I had to change my relationship with money myself. I had to change my ideology about men and money, and a lot of money, not just survival money, but a lot of money, because my father's very wealthy and. But I've done that very, very successfully. And obviously that reflects in my in my my businesses and, and what I'm able to do in terms of material success, so to speak, anyway. Whereas my brother, um, he hasn't even recognized he has those limiting beliefs yet. He just thinks that's how mm. life is. So he's still living within those paradigms. And the thing with that is you're not you're not willing to listen to siblings or family members or friends. I think you're more willing to listen to other people rather than people near, nearest to you. So you can help. I can like someone like me who's a money mindset coach. I can help everybody, most people, but mm-hmm. I have the difficult, most difficult time with friends and family, especially close family. So I just yes. let it be. And I think, okay, you come to me when you want to. But it, it's, they have it's, to really want it. Yeah. Yes. And, and it's, sometimes it's, 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 yes. Yeah. It, it's it's uh, recognizing the fact that you, you know, Muhammad has to come to the mountain, not the other way around. Yes. You know, you, they have yes. to come to you and they have to come to you with, with the, with the knowledge that they're going to have to work through it. It's not easy. Changing your limiting yes. beliefs and working on yourself is the hardest thing anyone can do. And that's why most people fail to do it. And they'd like to yes. put the blame on outside yes. people. Yes. I want to offer one other thing. Yeah. So this is one path to changing your beliefs, your habits. I think another path, mm-hmm. and I want to recognize um, Judson Brewer. He's a, he's a psychiatrist um, in the States. And he talks about, being aware of the of the the discomfort, the pain of your current habit. So mm. if you have a current money habit, for example, that's driving you to overspend, to keep putting things on credit cards, is let go of the thoughts about it. Like you have all kinds of judgments of yourself and all that. Uh, it's not fair. I'm bad with money. I mean, whatever the thoughts are, but really drop into the feelings, the sensations in the body and then be very aware of it. So when you do it, and then be aware of when you don't do it, there's probably a time when you're not acting out and you have to start recognizing how good the brain feels, how good the body feels when you're not in that automatic habit pattern. Mm. So, and you, so what he talks about is you have to give the, give your brain a better outcome, like something tastier than what, because because we do get something, we get a short-term benefit when we do the habit. Like in the case of uh, the person who overspends, they get that instant dopamine hit, right? They, yeah. they spend the money, there's a feel good in the moment, and then it's like, oh my God, 
I, I'm like, I can't pay this credit card bill now. And you, you, you know, or, or even if it's not that it's like you, you get the stuff home into the clothing home and you say, wow, you know, it doesn't give me sustainable joy. It, it gave me it for like an hour or two, but now it doesn't. So you've got to get aware of that and then give the brain something better. Like remind, remind yourself how it feels when you don't do that habit. And you have to keep doing that. You have to keep reminding yourself how it feels so that when you're about to do the overspending, you're you're able to go into, oh my God, if I don't overspend, I'm going to feel so good. So it's like you're giving your, you're, you're, you're substituting something better for the brain, something mm. that's going to motivate the brain, something that will create a whole new habit trajectory for yourself. So I, I, that's another way of sort of doing this. And I think it can, you can couple this with that first method that I talked about, this compassion method, mm -hmm. which is incredibly powerful. Compassion might sound kind of light or kind of woo woo, um, but it's not. Um, it's a very powerful strategy, if you will, uh, to healing oneself when you offer that, that direct compassion for the way you were brought up around money. Wonderful. So yeah. we're going to wrap this up now. So I just want you to give us some closing remarks in terms of, yeah. uh, and sort of guide us to through or talk us through how you went from being really money focused to being now having, you know, still making a lot of money, but your relationship yeah. with money has changed so much. So what was the, the overall, you know, steps you took or whatever, or, you know, so just quickly just sum it up for us, the journey. Yes. Well, I would say the journey was from this awareness of the suffering mm. that I was, an, oh, I was a total workaholic. I was working crazy hours in my early twenties. I was not really having fun. I mean, I wasn't even aware that I wasn't having fun. I was just yeah. so driven, as you said so well, I was just so driven to keep succeeding because I thought that was, that was the habit pattern I was in. I, I, I had blinders on. I couldn't see there was another way to do life. It was all about just being in lockstep with achieving more and more degrees and accomplishments in life. And that really woke me up finally. You know, the suffering got so intense that fortunately I had this wake up around it that the suffering is not, is really not healthy for me and it's painful mm -hmm. and I can't keep doing it. It's not, it's not sustainable. And that led me to seek some help. And, and I ended up doing a, a silent meditation retreat it was very therapeutic for me, but I think it, it led me to really befriending these messages that I grew up with, really having compassion for these messages that I grew up having compassion for my own, my own habit patterns, my own sort of ways of being that were not serving me, that were not really affirming to myself. I had to recognize all of this. And, and as that softened, as my uh, those habits softened, they, they weren't so automatic, hmm. you know, so much, I think I started shifting to being a much more relaxed person. And again, that word relaxed might sound like a trivial, superficial idea, but it's not. When human beings are in their relaxed state, everything functions better. You know, our brain is, which is the most important part of us, it's on fire when you're relaxed. I mean, when you're really at ease in that sort of relaxed alertness place, that's when we're most creative. That's when you're most likely to see a business opportunity yeah. or know when to 
ask your boss for a raise. When we're in that tight place, not only is our timing probably going to be off, but the way we ask for a raise is not going to come from a place of confidence and ease. So yeah. that's why I said, I, ironically, I think this work of letting go of, of the need for more money can actually lead us to more money because we're no longer in that desperate, hunched over posture, if you will. I'm sort of using that in a literal and a figurative way. We're more open in our body. We're more open-minded. We're yeah. more at ease. We're more, we're more sort of in the zone, if you will, as they say in sports, where we know when to when to move left or right in the business world or with our finances. So I think there's a lot of analogies here. And I think it's, you know, that we start dropping into life. And we and we here's the thing about money is we have all the brains and common sense that we and creativity that we need to be successful with money. It's yeah. all within you. The only thing all of us need to do is to is to get out of our habit patterns. I mean, I think that's what we're really saying here is like if we can soften those habit patterns, then anything is possible for us. And even if you don't earn more money, you'll have a better relationship with the money you have. Absolutely. So we can't promise that. But you know, there's a way to be with the amount of money you have, which is going to feel much more expansive than than the way a lot of us are with that amount of money, right? I agree. I agree. And I've got a, a, on that topic, I've got a specific program that I've created called Three Steps to Cash Flow Mastery, where I teach you how to use the money you already have, be spending it in a particular way where you are expansive with, with money, your mm -hmm. energy is healthier, and you start forming really healthy, um, you, you start forming a healthy relationship with money rather than having a toxic hate, love hate relationship that most people do, unfortunately, with money. Beautiful. But on that note, we're going to wrap this up. Tell us, uh, Spencer, how can we connect with you? Where can we find you on the yes. internet? Yes. Well, two ways. So if you go to, to spencer-sherman.com forward slash free, spencer-sherman.com forward slash free, we'll, you'll be able to access my free resources. Um, I also have, if you're a professional, if you're a, a, a coach, a financial advisor, an accountant, an attorney, somebody who has clients, I lead retreats uh, four times a year for professionals. And you'll find that mindful advisor on my website as well. Wonderful. Now, if you're listening to us on the podcast, then the links that Spence has just mentioned will be on the show notes. And if you're watching on YouTube, then down below in the description section, we'll have the links you just mentioned as well. Go check him out and see how he can help you. Thank you so much, Spencer, for being such an amazing guest today. We have to have you back for Money Talkies. But today, thank you so much. Thank you, Gal. Wonderful to be here. Thank you for listening to me and Spencer today. I will be back with another amazing guest finding out how they change their life by changing their mindset. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website www.gulkhan.com. And if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop, where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance, then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop. And if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money, then go and get my book, Laws of Money, 
from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.